The passage this morning is from Isaiah chapter 60. You can follow along in your own bulletins, or you can read it in your own Bibles. Hear these words through the mouth of the prophet Isaiah, a proclamation of the coming King, Lord Jesus. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 5, and then verse 15 and 16. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant and your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. And in verse 15, whereas you've been forsaken and hated, With no end passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. You shall suck the milk of nations, you shall nurse at the breast of kings, and you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Would you please be seated and would you join me in a word of prayer? Father in heaven, we ask this morning that you would use your word, which is living and active, here among this people through the proclamation and preaching, that you would use it to sanctify us, that that is, to make us more like your Son. Would we see our need, and would we see the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, who is proclaimed here in these pages? And would you use this, Lord God, for your glory and for our good. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. Well, uh, psychologists say that the earliest fear that is often developed in the heart of children is the fear of darkness. The fear of darkness. And I think you probably can all resonate with this. If you think back, probably one of the earliest fears that you can remember from your own childhood would be the fear of darkness. Our parents put us to bed, they turn off the lights, and we immediately begin to wonder, is there something under my bed? Is there something in the closet? What's moving about in the darkness? And it's just a kind of a natural fear that every human being goes through. I also think if you're honest, you would probably admit that Though many people say that the fear of darkness kind of dissipates as you grow older, it never quite goes away, does it? Uh, For even, I think, as adults, you're laying in your bed and you hear a bump in the night and you're not immediately inclined to go see what it is. You're you're kind of afraid. What's happening? What's going on? Uh, What things are stirring in the night? And I think that is because we've been created for the light. We are not made for the darkness. We, we're not able to perceive what's happening in the darkness. We're not aware. Our, our senses are inhibited. We haven't been created as creatures for the night. And so the night is awkward for us. It's odd. It's strange. There's a lot of fear, again, associated with the darkness. This is a theme that's prevalent in Scripture. It's one that Isaiah picks up on in chapter 60 this morning. It's the theme of light and of darkness. As a matter of fact, it's one of the most prevalent themes in all of Scripture light and darkness. 
Isaiah is a prophet who speaks about 800 years before the birth of Christ, and he's probably the prophet who most pointedly uh, speaks about the coming Messiah. Over and over again in Isaiah, we will hear about the coming Lord Jesus Christ. And probably the most prevalent theme that Isaiah picks up on is the theme of light. Over and over again, he describes the coming Jesus as the light, the light of the world, the light that brings clarity, the illumining light. This happens in Isaiah 7, Isaiah 8, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 23, Isaiah 11, Isaiah 47, 59, 58, and Isaiah 60 that we read this morning. Over and over again, the coming Lord Jesus Christ is described as the light. So this morning, we're going to look at the the birth of Christ through the imagery of light. He is the light. What does that mean? How does that apply to our lives? And, and let me tell you something. If you're going to understand the light, you must first understand the darkness. Okay? That's how it goes. If you're going to understand the light, you must first understand the darkness. That is to say, if you're going to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, you must first understand why the gospel is necessary. Okay? The light and the darkness. The light and the darkness. If you're looking at the, the handout, the, in the, the insert in the bulletin, there's no notes there because it's a very simple outline this morning. You can divide that page in half or top and bottom. It doesn't matter. We're going to talk about the dark and we're going to talk about the light. Very simple. I know you're, not, you're, not, you're probably feeling a little lazy on Christmas morning. So we'll keep it simple for you. Darkness and light. In Isaiah chapter 60, as Isaiah is speaking about the light, he makes really brief mention of the darkness, but it's a profound mention In verse 2, he says this, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. If that's a familiar line, it's because Isaiah has said this line a number of times. Darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness will cover the peoples. John, the apostle, picks up and says this very thing in in his gospel, John chapter 1 and John chapter 8. Darkness covers the earth, thick darkness covers the people. And as you're reading Isaiah chapter 60, you realize that this is allegory. It's, it's vivid imagery. Isaiah is not saying, well, the sun has stopped shining and it seems pretty dark outside. What he's saying is he's painting a picture with physical imagery, with scientific statements, a picture that's meant to be vibrant and to tell us a story, okay? It's meant to tell us something more. So the question we ought to ask then is, what is Isaiah speaking about when he says, darkness covers the earth, a thick darkness covers the people? What's Isaiah referencing there? What does he mean by describing this darkness that covers the earth? Well, it's an important theme, as I said, in Scripture. And so just kind of a brief highlight to trace this theme through the pages of Scripture. I don't know if you know, but darkness is one of the first 20 words that appear in the Bible. Okay? Now, if, if uh, you were Jewish, that would be the principle of first, uh, of first, uh, the, the f- principle of first mention. Okay? That is to say, when, when words are first mentioned in Scripture, that's where we find the, the great importance. And the first 20 words uh, that God uses in Genesis chapter 1 hold great importance for an understanding of all of life. Okay? Because this is where God establishes for us a pattern, a system of life. And in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, as God is creating, He says there that darkness was over the face of the deep. That's a good question you ought to ask. Why does God mention darkness? Why does he bring that up in the creation account? Because God, who exists outside of time, who is from eternity past, who is perfectly good and perfectly right and beautiful, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he mentions in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, that there was darkness over the face of the deep. Why does he say that there is darkness? Why does God describe creation in that way? Well, you see, he's beginning to paint a picture of comparison. 
okay? Because in just a moment, God is going to create the light. And he's going to make the sun and the moon, and he's going to say, let there be light, and there will be light. God is making a comparison between the work that he's doing, a good and useful work for all of humanity, and that which is unuseful, which is unproductive, okay? And so you have to begin to think about darkness, the imagery in Scripture, you have to begin to think about it through a pre-modern mind. The people that God spoke to through Moses are a people who are not like us. They don't have modern advancements in technology. To them, darkness was one of their greatest adversaries, okay? You think about this. They're a, an agrarian culture, and so they're growing their food, and they're, they're harvesting, and they're, they're tending to their animals, and they have a, a lot of things that inhibit that work, and they've got the weather. Well, sometimes it's uh, sometimes we're going through famine or sometimes there's too much rain and they've got uh, bad characters, enemies who would seek to destroy them or take their things and their possessions. They've got wild animals. But of all the things that hinder the pre-modern society and agrarian culture, darkness was like the worst of them all because darkness came every day, every week of every month. Darkness was that thing that at the end of the day, no matter how much you had to harvest, no matter how much you had to plant, you said, well, we have to stop working. We, we can't work in the dark. There is no productivity in the dark. It is the, the ultimate hindrance to all that is good. And so for the pre-modern mind, hearing the word darkness, immediately they would begin to associate all the negative pictures, okay? And so God uses the imagery of darkness. Now, as, as you trace the, the image of darkness throughout all of Scripture, it, you see it kind of appear in, in different places in different significant moments. I'll give you another example. Exodus chapter 10, God is taking the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land and he's issuing the plagues and then at one point he says, okay, here's the next plague. I'm going to cause a darkness to fall over all of Egypt. And the description in Exodus 10 verse 21 is that it was a darkness to be felt. It was a darkness to be felt. Can you understand what that means? That's an interesting, vivid picture that's being painted in Exodus 10. It was a darkness to be felt. It was a darkness that engulfed, that enveloped, that, that was thick, and it, it permeated all of Egypt. And, and what we begin to see, Exodus 10, Genesis 1, carrying through the entire Old Testament, is that darkness is a physical reality that is being used by God to, dis, to depict a spiritual reality, Okay? That when God says to Moses, I'm going to ca cause darkness to fall over all of Egypt, essentially what he's saying is, yeah, you're going to be in the dark, but this is simply a picture of who you are. It's a picture of your heart. For as much as darkness surrounds you, so there is darkness in your own heart. For you do not seek the Lord God. You have no comprehension of him. There's no goodness in you. There's no desire for goodness. That is the, the brokenness of man who is born in sin. And so darkness becomes this vivid image of a spiritual reality that is going on in the heart of man from his birth to his death. This is why if you read the book of Job, okay, Job, probably very notorious for one of the saddest, hardest, hard to comprehend books in all of the Bible, Job mentions darkness more than 30 times. And it's not because Job was thinking, oh, look at the sun, there it goes, and here comes the moon, and there's the sun, and there's the moon. Job is giving a picture and image of, of what he sees all around him in humanity, the, the darkness of the human heart. You know, I, I, I think that the picture that is presented in Scripture of darkness is one that's probably really hard for us to comprehend, okay? 
because I think to, uh, for us, darkness is, is not the debilitating force that it once was, right? For us, darkness is sort, sort of more of a nuisance because you're like, you're laying in your bed and you're thinking, oh, it's dark. I got to walk six feet across the room to flip the light switch on. That's terribly hard, right? And, and even for us today, it's, it's not like that because most of you can clap your hands and your light comes on. You talk to Alexa or Siri and the light comes on. Tap your cell phone and the light comes on, right? We're not hindered by the dark. The dark is a, is a minor nuisance to us. The, the imagery it doesn't have the same effect on us because darkness to us is not the same thing. But you see, the, the picture that's being painted in the Bible is one that if we understand how debilitating darkness would have been for this society, we begin to understand how debilitating the darkness is that's being described of the human heart. And this is the imagery that Isaiah is picking up on in verse 2. And he says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness shall cover the peoples. Okay? The two words in, in verse 2 there that are translated as darkness, they're not the same words. The first word is the Hebrew word for darkness. It means to be dark. But the second word that's used there is literally the word that means a cloudy haze. It would be like if you were driving to church this morning and it was really foggy out. I know it wasn't. It was too cold for fog this morning. But if you were and it was really foggy out and you had a hard time seeing, this would be the word that would be used to describe your experience this morning. It would have been a foggy haze that you were driving through. And just as we do in the English, so is done in Hebrew, the word for a cloudy haze is used to describe a very gloomy situation, okay? So we often say in English, oh, I feel like I'm in a, a cloud of gloom. Uh, a haze is hanging over me. <laughs> you even get it in the comics, right? The, the cloud that is over the head and it's raining on top of you. That's the picture that's being painted. And so verse 2 would literally read like this, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and a thick Cloud of gloom shall cover the peoples. And Isaiah, as he's speaking here in, the, in chapter 60, pointing ahead to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, is saying, listen, there is a comprehensive darkness that has covered the face of the earth, that has affected all peoples for all times. It is a cloud of gloom and darkness that is the fall into sin that clouds our understanding and our reasoning and our logic and our ability to relate and our relationships with one another and our understanding of God and of ourselves. It affects all that we are. It is comprehensive in nature and it debilitates human beings from the beginning to the end. That's the, the, the depiction, the picture that Isaiah is picking up on in Isaiah chapter 60. I was thinking about how best to illustrate this picture this morning, and I thought about this. Many of you have probably done this before. You go and you take a tour of a cave, right? Luray Caverns or Endless Caverns or some cave, and what usually happens, or maybe it used to, I don't know if they still do this, you go to the furthermost part in the cave, and you get all the way in as far as you can go in, and the tour guide says, all right, we're going to turn off the lights. Have you done this? You've done this? Yeah, shake your heads. good. We're going to turn off the lights, and everybody kind of gets close together. They don't want to get lost, and they turn off the lights, and they says, the tour guide says, all right, put your hand in front of your face, and, and, and you realize you can't see your hand no matter how close you get your hand to your face, and the tour guide says, that's because there's no light all the way back here in the furthermost part of the cave. And for like 30 seconds, you're thinking how amazing. And then you begin to think, oh, goodness, how are we going to get out of here? Okay. Where'd my children go? I, I think it would be amazing at that moment if the tour guide would say, and here's a very good picture of what's happening in your heart at this moment. Okay. 
Because that's the picture that Isaiah's painting. Now, I don't think the tour guide would do that. It'd be cool if they did. But Isaiah's painting a picture of a humanity who has gone into the cave of darkness. And they have been enveloped in thick darkness. A darkness so thick that they can't see their hands in front of their face. That they have no comprehension, no understanding, no inclination towards God. That there is nothing good or redeemable in them. And that has totally affected all humanity throughout all history from one end of the globe to the other. That's the problem that Isaiah is presenting in Isaiah chapter 60 this morning. It is the one that he speaks about as he speaks about the coming light. Now, let me tell you something. This ought to tell you a lot about yourselves, okay? There's a lot you can learn just from understanding that the world is covered in thick darkness. For instance, uh, as you try to relate with your unbelieving family, friends, and neighbors, okay, the reality is that they are living in thick darkness, okay? And you may think, well, I've sat down with them and I've explained to them the gospel. I've showed it to them, you know, a hundred times. Why have they not got it? Well, they're, they're in thick darkness. They need the Holy Spirit to give eyes to see and ears to hear, or they will never comprehend. That's the reality of, of the Bible, of, uh, of creation, of the fall into sin, of the good news, okay? That they're in darkness. Uh, here's another point of application, really helpful, I think especially for children, okay? So children, think about this for a second. I, we, have, we have a tendency to idolize people in this world. We idolize athletes, and we idolize actors and actresses and singers, and, and we think, oh, man, that's, that's the kind of person I want to be like. And your parents have probably warned you often, hey, don't, don't emulate the wrong people. Don't model yourself over the people. Don't idolize them. Don't make them to be idols. And you, you see, the reality of the matter is uh, that for those who are in the world, though they may be great actors and though they may be great, great singers and great athletes, they also are walking in darkness. And the reality is, if you're in a cave and it's pitch black and the person in front of you can't see the hand in front of their eyes, you don't want to follow them. Okay? Because they may be standing in the cave saying, I know the way, follow me. Right? This is the way. But they may be walking off the edge of the cliff in the cave. They don't know it. Okay? This is the reality of the Word of God. The illumining work of the Spirit through Jesus Christ the Son is the thing that gives us light. Apart from that, all those who live in this world are living in deep darkness. They may act like they've got it all together. They may act like they, they understand the world and they've got this great you know, a system that makes sense of everything in this world, but they're living in darkness. They have no idea. Okay? So don't emulate. Don't follow. Uh, but rather uh, look to the Word of God. And this is what we get in chapter 60. Uh, Isaiah has painted the picture of darkness. It's a picture that we see in Scripture a lot. Now he moves on to a picture of light. Now, here's the question we should be asking then. Why does Isaiah describe Jesus as the light? This Isaiah 60 is a messianic prophecy. It's pointing ahead to the coming of Christ 800 years later. But why does Isaiah, there's a lot of pictures that Isaiah uses, but again, the most prevalent is the picture of light. Why does he call Jesus the light? Or why will John, later in 1, in chapter 8, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, chapter 8, say, Christ is the light of the world. In him there is no darkness. Why does Jesus himself call himself the light of the world? Why does Paul and Peter call Jesus the light? Well, I think it's interesting because allegory and imagery is used by the prophets and in Scripture to give us a more full, comprehensive picture. You see, Isaiah could have said, hey, guys, Jesus, he, he helps us to see. Okay, and that would have been a very practical way of saying this. 
But allegory and imagery is rich and it's complex and it paints a broad picture because Jesus not only gives us eyes to see, but he gives us radiance and he brings his glory and he brings warmth to the cold. And there's so much that the image of light brings that Isaiah picks up on. It's not just one thing that Christ brings, but it's a whole comprehensive picture of the goodness of light that is seen in Christ Jesus. Look at the passage. Beginning in verse 1, Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. That is Jesus Christ. Your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. What a beautiful picture. The glory of the Lord, that is the beauty, the majesty, the dominion, the worthiness of God to receive praise and honor, that in Jesus Christ has risen like the sun. It has risen over the horizon, and as the sun rises, and you feel the first beams of light in the morning, so the sun, Jesus Christ, has risen upon you, and you have seen his glory. And so there, as as Christ rises, there is a a, a newness, a radiance, a beauty. The glory of God has risen upon you. And in verse 2, the Lord will arise upon you. His glory will be seen by you. And the nations shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. In verse 3, the light and the power of the light has a, a, a reproducing effect. That as Christ Jesus rises upon his people, so they too will go forward with the light of the world. And they will proclaim to the nations, and the nations will come to them, and they will see the radiance of the living God among his people. Right? That's why we say, what is our our motto here? We say that we're, we're called mercy because we are recipients of mercy who are becoming reflectors of mercy. Okay? And what that means is, why, why do we be merciful to those around us? We be merciful because God has been merciful to us. And because he's been merciful, we reflect that mercy to others. That's what's being described in in verse 3. There's a reflective nature of the power of light through Christ Jesus that comes and then is emulated through his people and proclaimed to the world. Look at the power of light in verse 4. Lift up your eyes all around and see. Okay, so the light brings, it brings clarity. Okay, that in darkness you're unable to comprehend, but the power of light is the power and the ability to perceive to understand, to comprehend. And they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters will be carried on the hip. And then you shall see and be radiant. The word radiant is a powerful word. It means to bring forth warmth and energy and light. And your heart shall thrill and exalt. You see the picture that's being painted here. The the picture that's being painted about the coming Lord Jesus Christ is that he is the one who would come into the darkness and he would bring light into the darkness. And he would bring warmth and he would bring radiance and he would bring glory, but he would also bring clarity that those who are in Christ Jesus would begin to make sense of the world and they would understand their God and they would understand who they were and what is their responsibility to him, that in Christ Jesus all of these things would begin to be clarified through the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ who would be born in a manger, the, the very thing that we celebrate today. So, you know, here, here's the reality, okay? The picture that Isaiah is painting is one where you go into that cave and you turn off the lights and you can't see in front of you and you're beginning to worry, and then the lights are turned on. That's, that is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, that his coming to earth, very God of very God, very light of very light, as the Nicene Creed says, that his coming to earth is the the realization of the presence of the clarifying light of Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, who, who to our darkness brings great clarity and light. That's the picture that Isaiah is painting 
in Isaiah chapter 60 this morning. Listen, here's how, here's how I think we should remember this passage. And here's what I want to leave you with as we kind of wrap up Isaiah chapter 60. It's interesting as you look through the story of Scripture, uh, the light takes an interesting turn, t- twist and turns through the Old Testament, okay? So if you were to look up the word light and you were to follow each occurrence of the word light in, in the Old Testament Scriptures, you would find that in Genesis chapter 1, there's a lot of light. God makes the greater light and he makes the lesser light and he puts lights in the heavens and God speaks and he says, let there be light. It's all over Genesis chapter 1. And then after the fall in Genesis chapter 3, there's a lot of darkness. There's a ton of mentions of darkness. There is darkness and darkness and darkness. And then there's a little bit of light. There's a little bit of light, and then there's darkness and darkness and darkness. And And then there's a little bit of light and darkness and darkness and darkness. And this pattern continues all the way through the Old Testament until the coming of the Gospels. And the the writers of the Gospel, they, they proclaim the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in terms of light. And everything changes when when Christ comes. But but here's an important question we ought to ask about that. As you think about this story of darkness, 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 a little bit of light. Darkness, 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 a little bit of light. God is intentionally at work in the story of redemption, painting this picture because he wants for his people to ask the question, well, I wonder what would happen if this whole thing was filled up with light. Right? I've I've been living in the darkness. Darkness has covered the earth. It has covered the people's thick darkness. And we see little glimpses and glimmers of, of hope and of light. But what would happen if light came flooding into this room and, and the darkness had to flee and there was no darkness left and, 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 and the presence of very light of very light was, what would that look like? That's the question that's being asked in Scripture up until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? And, and here's what I want you to know. That also is our story. For those who are apart from Jesus Christ, or for, for us, before we had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this, our story is very simple. It was a story like, that goes like this. Darkness, 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 and a little bit of light. Darkness, 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 and a little bit of light. And, and the, the darkness we experience in this world is the darkness that we all know, we all know too well. It's the darkness that we see in sickness and disease. It's the darkness that we experience with depression and anxiety. It's the, the darkness we experience around the holidays when we think about the people that we've lost. It's the darkness when we look around the world and we say there's wars and rumors of wars. It's the darkness that we experience when our, we have broken relationships and we don't know how to restore them. And maybe there's not even a, a, a clear way to restore them, okay? That's the darkness that we experience every day of life. It's the darkness that we experience in addictions. It's, it's the darkness that we experience and we see and we feel. That's what Isaiah is describing. And, and, and in our lives, we have these patterns of darkness, 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 and little glimmers of, of light. Maybe little glimmers of light are when somebody shared with you a passage of Scripture or when you see something in this world that just doesn't make sense and you say, well, look at that person. They, they are dying and yet they have hope or joy or purpose or meaning. Or you see someone who does something very selfless and you say, well, what, what, what's the purpose in that? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit the paradigm. Those, those are little glimmers of hope. And, and what God is doing in your life and in the story of redemption is he, he's leaving you with the question that says, well, what would it look like if, if light filled this? What would it look like if this was totally and utterly replaced by light? And that's what's happening at the birth of Jesus Christ. That's why the angels are singing. That's why the shepherds are proclaiming. That's why Mary is prophesying and Zechariah is prophesying. Uh, that's why it is this great proclamation of the coming Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, because the light of the world has come and now hope 
fills the void where there was only darkness. Jesus Christ himself describes it in this way. He says this, I have come into the world so that you won't remain in darkness. I have come to open your eyes that you might turn from darkness to light, from Satan to God. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, therefore let us put on the armor of light. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. And what fellowship does the light have with the darkness? Therefore, we ought to walk as children of light. Jesus Christ describes the new heavens and the new earth in this way. He says there will be no sun or moon, for the glory of God will give its light, and its lamp is the Lamb of God. By that light, the nations will walk. You see, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, for the light has come, and the darkness cannot overcome it. That's the beauty of the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the peoples who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And the earth that was covered with darkness, with thick darkness that covered the peoples, to them a light has come. Behold Jesus Christ, he is the light of the world. This is what we ought to remember on this Christmas day, Jesus Christ, who is our light. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this Christmas day and we thank you that you have sent your Son. We thank you that he humbled himself to be born in human flesh, born a baby. We thank you, Lord God, that we celebrate this day the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is very God of very God, very man of very man, and very light of very light. We ask Our Father, as we celebrate together this day, that you would make us able and willing with eyes to see and ears to hear, to see the Lord Jesus Christ who is our Savior. That we would know that he has come on our behalf, that he has not left us to our own devices. He has not left us in the darkness of this world, but he has shined his light that we might see And we might know, and we might be moved by your Spirit to come in faith. And so we ask this morning that you might be glorified by everything we say and do as we walk in the light as children of light. In your name we ask all of this. Amen.